there, I'm Rob Manifield and welcome to a new episode of Racing Ramblings here on Everything Racing Podcast. I know it's been a while, but here we go. So the first half of the Formula 1 season has been, well, let's be honest, it's been pretty fantastic. And the second half of the season kicks off this weekend. In fact, it kicks off literally in the last 10 minutes uh, with free practice one at Spa for the Belgian Grand Prix. But before we get into the second half of the season, and I kind of count that as being the race, practices, whatever, um, I wanted to look back on the first half of the season and do the usual F1 content creator thing of giving my ratings for each driver based off of how the first half of their season went. Now, bear in mind, these are only my opinions, and I've noticed that social media has been an absolute shit show recently. Uh, not that it wasn't before, but it seems to have gotten even worse. So, uh, perhaps doing these sorts of ratings is a bit ill-advised, because you're going to get called or whatever, either way. But let's do it. Let's see what happens. I'm going to try and keep it as concise as I can, as I can usually ramble on about stuff. But... Yeah, end of the day, this is an episode of Racing Ramblings, so you never know. But I'm going to try and keep it nice and concise. So sit back, relax, and enjoy my 2021 Formula One mid-season driver ratings. Okay, just an FYI, my ratings will be scores out of 10, and if applicable, I would give like a 0.5 score, so a 6.5 for example. There'll be no 0.25s or, or, or 0.75 scores, though actually there are a few occasions here where that actually would have been quite handy, but nope, stick to my rules, full numbers or 0.5s are the only scores I'll be giving. I will give my score, for example to a driver and then give some pros and cons about why I've given them that particular score and I'm going to go from how they stand currently going into the Belgian Grand Prix weekend in the Drivers' Championship, so from 20th to 1st in the current standings. So here we go then, let's start with 20th place, Nikita Mazepin. You might have predicted I'm going to go low with my score, and I have. Nikita gets a 3 out of 10 so far this season. So the pros, he's occasionally shown signs of speed. And I think back to Monaco, for example. You know, he actually had a pretty decent weekend. That's about the only good thing I've got to say about Mazepin. Where do you start with the lad in terms of the cons? Uh, He crashes and spins far too frequently, even for a rookie. Uh, he's he's done a few very questionable things on track, things not really becoming to a uh, a Formula One driver. But you know, you can always say, oh, he's inexperienced, he didn't know, etc. Whatever, it is what it is. But yeah, for someone who's in Formula One, he is spinning and crashing way too frequently. And all in all, he is getting convincingly beaten by his teammate. So a three out of ten for Mazepin. Speaking of his teammate in nineteenth, I'm gonna it's Mick Schumacher. I'm gonna go with a five point five out of ten for Mick. On the whole, in terms of the pros, he's had a his qualifying pace has been good, considering how bad the car is. And his race pace has been good as well. But then to kind of counter that in the cons, he he has had a few costly crashes. And I'm thinking especially Monaco in free practice free where he yeah, i think off the top of my head he had just set a decent time and then just went and shunted it up a casino square and put him in a really 
bad spot for the weekend going forward. So, on the whole, though, I think Mech has actually been a decent set of hands, considering historically he does take quite a while to, you know, get himself up to speed with a new formula. I think he has, you know, taken on the challenge fairly well. He got out of Q1 in um, Portugal, for example, which considering the car, I mean, and obviously, you know, he he did cause a, a red flag, which then basically, or a yellow flag, which put end to that session early. But, you know, you still got to set the time and he, and he did. So, yeah, I'm going to go with a 5.5 for Mick. On the whole, I think he's had a pretty good start to his Formula One career. Moving on to 18th, I'm going to go with, I say I'm going to go, and Giovinazzi, Antonio Giovinazzi, I'm going to go with a 5 out of 10 for Gio. So I'm going to keep this quite short and concise. It's a decent quality pace, but not so decent race pace. And that's kind of all I've got to say. He does tend to drop like a stone in races. So 18th in the standings of Giovinazzi, 5 out of 10. 17th, Kimi Raikkonen. Similar. I'm going to go with a 5 out of 10 for the Iceman. He is still a decent pair of hands. But... He is nowhere near as good as he was even a few years ago. And it probably is the right time for Kimi to call it a day. And I do predict that this will be the season where we do see Kimi retire. And hand that seat over to, to a Mick Schumacher if he wants to make the switch across. Or to a Callum Eilert. Or to a Robert Schwartzman. There are plenty of other people in that sort of Ferrari driver academy bracket. Which Alfa Romeo are sort of linked with. I could take that seat. And Kimmy has obviously said multiple times, look, I'm just doing this for a hobby. I wouldn't be surprised if he does finally call it a day. Or even if Alfa Romeo turned around and said, look, we got to, we appreciate you. You're a legend, world champion, but it's time for us to look to the future and get another young talent in and let Gio lead the team. But we shall see. Okay, 16th in the standings, George Russell... Now, Russell has been great, hence why I'm giving him an 8.5 out of 10. His qualifying pace has been outstanding. And he should be in a Mercedes already, and he is making a very strong argument for being in one one day. However, his race pace isn't as strong as his quality pace. But, I mean, all I'm going to say is, and just to kind of back Russell up a bit, how much of that is down to the car and down to him is unclear considering how well he qualifies but on the whole Russell's having a great season and the fact that he is basically the favorite to take that seat away from Bottas for next season at Mercedes is justified and it's earned and it's exciting to see Russell in a good position for the future Right, 15th in the standings. Amazingly, ahead of Russell is Nicholas Latifi, his teammate. I'm going to give him a 6 out of 10. Now, he has improved considerably from last year. And he's closed the gap to his teammate in qualifying. But he's still getting battered by Russell in qualifying, despite his improvements. And he has got more points than Russell in Hungary, which is surprising, but... It was very much a team effort between him, Russell, and the whole team in general in Hungary. So it is what it is. But Russell 
has got the legs on Latifi, but I do think Latifi has improved. One question as well is now now that Williams basically have turned around and said we we don't need sort of financial support from pay drivers anymore. Are his days numbered in that seat? Has he done enough to justify being kept on for another season? On pure merit, not just because of the size of his um, the backing he brings in. We shall see. It's an interesting question. I'm intrigued. Put a gun to my head? I would say probably just about. But is he enough to, good enough to, to take that next step along, you know, alongside whoever comes in to take his, take his seat? I don't know. I don't think he's team leader material. Right. Moving on to 14th in the standing. Stroll. Lance Stroll in the Williams. That is right, isn't it? 14th. Yes, 14th. Lance Stroll. I'm giving him a 7. He has shown that he can be a lead driver on Aston Martin on the days where Seb's having an off day. And he has made like considerable uh, improvements across the board. So those are the good parts. When he's not on form, he can still be pretty damn mediocre. And that is something that needs to be addressed. But on the whole, Stroll's having a decent season. But on but it's still a 7 out of 10, which is a good score. But still has things to improve on. Which is good, he's young and he has lots of time to improve. And obviously the... Yeah, unlikely to be sacked uh, by his team because, uh, well, his boss, his dad is the boss. So uh, we shall see. Right, moving on to um, Yuki Sonoda now. 5.5 out of 10 for Sonoda. He has shown that when he's on form, he does have the potential to be a quality driver. And his debut in Bahrain was fantastic. And he drove a good race in Baku. But this is where Sonoda lets himself down. For someone in a position such as his, you know, he's in an Alpha Tauri, and look at what his teammate's doing in that. He is far too inconsistent, even for a rookie. He's in danger of losing that seat as quickly as he's got it if he doesn't rein things in a bit. He is a hothead. I don't care for the swearing, like, evil way. I don't, I'm not annoyed by it. I'm not a fan of it. It is just, it is what it is. In the day, they're driving Formula One cars at breakneck speeds. If they're going to swear on the radio, it is what it is. But if that sort of pumped up, aggressive approach to everything is directly impacting his driving, then obviously that is something to address. But on the whole, if someone's just having a swear on the radio, I don't care, whatever. But a 5.5 for Sonoda, tied with Mick Schumacher, for my rookie of the year so far i'm kind of the jury's out for that one i'm not sure you know that could go either way in terms of who ends up getting that award it could be mick in the end it could be mick getting that award because yes boss sonoda is obviously much higher in the standings mick's in a much worse car so we'll see what happens right next is sebastian vettel gonna give seb a 7.5 out of 10 so far for his season so, for, okay, from the Monaco Grand Prix onwards, he's been brilliant, with the exception of Silverstone. Let's not talk about Silverstone. Well, I'll talk about it in a minute. Um, he's been the driver that Aston Martin needs and has shown why they signed him in the first place. I mean, let's talk about Baku. His performance was outstanding, and so was his drive at Monaco. And he drove a hell of a race in Hungary before he was disqualified 
for the lack of fuel in the car at the end. He's been great from Monaco onwards, but he was undeniably really poor in the opening few rounds and at Silverstone spun on the opening lap and he threw away potentially a really promising performance and a performance a promising result at Silverstone and obviously being there to see that live was pretty gutting but it is what it is but yeah so far I think Seb's recovery from the opening few rounds where it really looked like Oh no, this is bad, this is bad, like this is not good. His recovery, basically from Monaco onwards, he has been brilliant. 7.5. Alright, Fernando Alonso, going to give him the same score, a 7.5. Quite similar to Vettel when that is taking him, it took him a few races to get up to speed at Alpine after a few years out. And he did say before the season, look, I'm going to need a bit of time just to find my feet again. But now that he has... Man, is he driving like an absolute boss. And he's just signed on for 2022 at Alpine. And rightfully so. People might begrudge the fact that it's not going to an Alpine young driver. But look, if you've got Fernando Alonso on form, you keep him. <laughs> like it's no matter if he's 40, 45, whatever. You keep him going. His driving the sprint race at Silverstone, for example, was just superb. And his defensive driving and the battle with Lewis Hamilton in Hungary still showed that he is one of the best drivers not just in F1, but in the world. Took him a little bit of time to get there, which is now the con, well, the pros and cons of Alonso's season. Much like Vettel. I feel like they have very similar stories to tell from this season so far. Took a bit of time to get up to speed, but now that they're there, they are leading their respective teams and showing why they are re highly regarded. Right. Alonso's teammate, Esteban Ocon. Again, I'm going to give him a 7.5. Right, okay. He drove like a driver with way more years under his belt in Hungary to win his first Grand Prix. I mean, he stood an entire race worth of pressure from Vettel. And it was non-stop. No wonder, I mean, no wonder the Aston Martin ran out of fuel. They were pushing each other non-stop. Ocon drove brilliantly. And there have been times where he has been at least a match for Alonso. Um... But when things haven't gone his way, they've been really bad. And he's had a horrible spell in the middle of the season, which I think he's now on the other side of. But on the whole, Ocon has been good. And it's continuing his development into potentially being a top flight front of the field driver. And the fact that he's now won a Grand Prix shows to his talent. And it was a real feel-good moment. I, I love it when drivers win races for the first time. It's always a great feeling. And Ocon, I have to say, if you told me at the beginning of the year which young driver is going to win their first Grand Prix this year, I would probably not have said Ocon. I would, would have said like Norris, for example. But he's done it. And he deserved that win. He won it on pure merit in Hungary after holding off of... Uh, Seb the whole race obviously had a huge helping hand from his teammate holding up Hamilton but you know Ocon still had to drive the drive and he did right Daniel Ricciardo this score is going to piss off a lot of people I think now I like Danny Rick and I really want him to do better in the second half of the season more than any other driver I want him to improve but I'm just going to say his first half of 2021 has been shocking 5 out of 10 for Danny Rick so far. So as the summer break came upon us, it looked like he was finally starting to get on top of the car. I think. I mean, he's still getting 
battered by Norris. And this is where the thing is, with he's getting absolutely smashed by his teammate. I am so disappointed with Danny Rick. I predicted that he would smash Norris, and it's been the complete opposite. And it's not even close. I mean, you could use the excuse that he's joined a new team, and it's a new car, and it's a new whole new system. And I get that, but that's only for the first few races. Everybody else who's gone to a new team has either jumped in straight away and been quick, or they've taken a few races to go up to speed and are now on top of everything. And I just don't think Danny Rick is... He hasn't adapted. Whether his the car doesn't suit his driving style, all the greats adjust themselves to make the best of what they have. And is Danny Rick doing that? I mean, we ain't seeing it. I really, really, really want him to do better this the second half of the year. His stock is diminishing, and that's so sad because he's so good. He just needs to find that extra few temps to take it to his teammate. Because if not, then it's going to be... A, a really face palm embarrassing season for the Australian and he's so nice and he's such a great driver that I don't want that to happen to him you just have to see how dejected he is like it was in Hungary and he just got out the car and he looked so dejected he was like oh my god like this is just I don't know what to do you can see it in his body language and that's sad because Danny Rick is normally this oozing you know positivity and he just looks like a defeated man at the moment. And that's really sad. So I really, really hope he finds his feet in the second half of the year. Okay, Pierre Gasly. One of my drivers of the year. I'm giving him a 9 out of 10. Yeah, been one of the stars of the season. He's been consistently finishing in good point scoring positions. He's got a podium in Baku. He deserves to stay at um, Alpha Tauri. But there's rumours that... For whatever reason, they just they want to get rid of him. And you're like, why would you want to get rid of him? This guy is clearly hugely comfortable in that environment. He's thriving there. Even probably more, more so than Perez is in, in Red Bull. He's thriving in the smaller team. I don't have any criticisms, criticisms of him either, if I'm honest. If the Red Bull system wants him to get out of that um, the Alpha Tauri, then he should go and go to something better. And the way he's driving, if the opportunity arose, he is number one. Get him in that seat. He's just superb. Gasly's been brilliant this year. Nine out of ten so far. Charles Leclerc also giving the Monegas driver a nine out of ten. Uh He's been consistently outperforming the car again. He's continued to show that if Ferrari can give him a championship contending car, he'll be right there with Lewis and Max in the not-too-distant future. I mean, his two pole positions were excellent, albeit obviously the Monaco one ended up being a bit of a nightmare in the end. But he still delivered the lap. And his drive at Silverstone was just superb. And he was just a couple of laps away from winning a massively unlikely win. And he drove brilliantly. and And he kept... On top of Lewis in the opening stint of that race on genuine pace. And it was fantastic. And you think, this is Charles Leclerc. You give him a car, that could a better car that is in contention for a championship, he could win it. He is that good. I don't have a lot of criticisms for him so far. I think he'll look back on the crash at Monaco and just think, oh my god, like what a disaster. What could have been? He could have won his home race, which is makes it so sad but you know 
he made the mistake and he went off wasn't deliberate let's be frank don't deliberately shunt it like come on unless you're nelson pk jr um i would say perhaps signs is closer in overall pace than he should be considering signs is new to the team but you know the clerk's well established you could probably argue that there should be a bit more of a gap but that just shows to the quality of signs and we'll get to him in a second um but on the whole the clerk's had a fantastic opening half of the season i i can see him winning a race definitely see him on a day where things maybe ain't lining up for everyone else It'll be Leclerc coming through to take that win. But we shall see. Moving on to his teammate, who actually is ahead of him in the Drivers' Championship by, I think he's brought three points ahead, two, three points ahead of him in the Championship. Carlos Sainz, giving him an 8.5, fractionally lower than his teammate. Only because I think Leclerc's being probably consistently a bit quicker. But Science has stepped into that team and been immediately on the pace. And that has been a huge sign as to the talent that he has. Something that maybe wasn't seen before. That he just literally stepped in and was just on the pace immediately. And was on par with his teammate in terms of overall, you know, speed over one lap. He was on par with him quickly. Leclerc's obviously stuck a couple of pole positions. But also, Science has got a couple of podiums under his belt. So, on the whole, Signs has been really great. And has done better than I thought he would, quite frankly. I thought it would be more of a, a Vettel or, or an Alonso. Just take a little bit of time to get up to speed. But Signs has stepped in and been really quick, straight away. So, an 8.5 for Signs. Frank, just a bit lower than his teammate on the whole. Just down to the fact that Leclerc's got a couple of poles and a, and a second place at Silverstone. And also his wins, you know, his drive, sorry, at Silverstone would just... Would just Poor mint, absolutely amazing. Right, moving on to Sergio Perez, who is I think I've, I've not been counting who's where in the championship. I think Perez is in fifth in the championship, so into the top five now. Gonna give Sergio, I, mean, I have to say, Perez was hard to score. Gonna give him a seven. I mean, first of all, he's won a race, he won in Baku, and he's been a great team player for Red Bull. At races like France, where it was obvious that Verstappen needs to go through quickly. Let's get get him by far quickly, and then he put the pressure on Bottas. You know, in the end, he has been the number two that Red Bull needed in the last few years. You've got Verstappen fighting at the front, and then the second Red Bull in like sixth. Not really contending. Whilst Perez has been knocking on the door of podiums and you know, putting the Mercedes under real pressure quite a lot of the time after that but on the whole he has you know not been consistent enough considering you know how good he is he is not always being consistent enough and that's a shame because you know he made a real argument to get that seat he's got it and there have been moments when you think oh, what are you doing like yeah he's had a horrible few races recently you know, where things just haven't gone his way at all. And he's looked convincingly slower than his teammate. I hope he comes better in the second half of the year. I can see another win coming his way. And he was hard to score because he has driven well. And he's won a race. So I settled on a seven. I think seven's fair. Right. Fourth. Valtteri Bottas. A man who's very much in the news. In terms of who's getting that second Mercedes seat next season, him or Russell. 
It's a straightforward fight. Right, pros. I don't have a lot of good things to say about him. Uh, he's qualified well at times, and he drove great in Monaco before his retirement because of the, the, the dodgy pit stop, which wasn't his fault, despite what Toto Wolf tries to say. But in terms of things that have gone badly for him, it's a disaster, really. So let's go through it. So Imola was a disaster. His opening lap cock up in Hungary was embarrassing. His performance in Baku was pretty woeful, just dropping like a stone. Bear in mind, he's in a Mercedes. He's not a bad driver. And when you think Russell is in a Mercedes and he would be doing 10 times the job that Bottas is in a Mercedes, you have to say the first half of his 2021 season has been really, really bad. And Bottas could well end up costing Mercedes its first Constructors title since the start of the new recent V6 hybrid era. Because he's just not scoring the points to you know, really take that fight to Red Bull. Because as much as Perez you know, hasn't been particularly consistent at times either, he has been scoring those points. Whilst, for example, Bottas has been crashing or he's been just fighting for the low points. I mean, come on, he was, he was running like 10th in Imola when he had that crash with Russell and he ran out of the points in Baku what a disaster like it's so bad he's in a Mercedes yes that Mercedes maybe isn't as good as it's been in previous years but he's still in a Mercedes and it's not good he shouldn't be fighting with Williams's for on track positions because you're too slow right top three Lando Norris you told me at the start of the year Norris would be third in the driver standings at the halfway, you know, after the summer break. I'd be laughing at you. But Norris gets a 10 out of 10 for me. Because he's been my driver of the year so far. Uh, he's been absolutely awesome. And the way he's evolved and improved every aspect of his game this year has been incredible. Three podiums. He was fractions off a pole position uh, in Austria. Been consistently scoring points. He's been destroying Danny Rick. And he isn't third in the championship by a fluke. It's on merit. I don't have any criticisms. And I'll try and keep it short and concise, but I could ramble on. Norris, my driver of the year, gets a 10 out of 10 so far. Speaking of 10s out of 10, second in the standings, Max Verstappen. Yep, 10 for Max as well. Right, he should be leading the world championship, but through various circumstances outside of his control, the exception being perhaps his involvement in the opening lap crash with Hamilton at Silverstone, he's driving superbly and looks like the man to, to finally beat Mercedes, which considering the years of dominance is saying something. I mean, the run of form he, he had, he went on from Monaco all the way up to basically the opening lap of the British Grand Prix was absolutely outstanding, like incredible. You know, if it hadn't been for the tire failure in Baku, he would have won like five races on the spin. He won at Monaco, France, both races in Austria, and he would have won in Baku. So that's five races on the spin, and and, and obviously it's hard to say, but if he hadn't been involved in the opening lap crash at Silverstone, probably would have won that race too. The lad has been. An absolute machine this year. And he's still my pick to win the championship. I mean, in my predictions at the beginning of the year, I predicted this would be the point where Verstappen would drop off. And maybe that will happen. 
But I honestly think Max is if he just if he wins this weekend at Spa, yeah. The momentum are back on his side. He's going to his home race um next and man that's gonna be just a party for the Verstappen fans. The only criticism I have is that you could say he had a sizable part to play in the championship momentum shifting crash at Silverstone. That's it. Apart from that, he's been flawless. 10 out of 10. Well, 9.99999 with Norris getting the full 10. But yeah, for the 10. 10 for Verstappen. Right, this one might upset a couple of people. I am giving Hamilton a 9. He is still producing amazing drives that he's famous for. And he is still arguably the favourite for the title. As much as I think that Verstappen will do it or in the end... Look, you don't bet against a seven-time world champion and think it's going to be easy to win that bet. It's not. It's Lewis is still very much... I mean, he's leading the championship, you know. You'd have told me that after the two races in Austria. Oh, yeah, Lewis would be going into the summer break and coming back afterwards with the championship lead. I probably would have gone, nah, I don't think so. But he is. And that's a sign of Lewis's quality. Obviously, there have been circumstances outside of his control that, you know have contributed to that so obviously winning at Silverstone and the crash of Verstappen and then the opening lap stuff Bottas hitting Verstappen and all the rest of it but then I have to be honest and we're getting to the negative part of Hamilton's season hence why I'm only giving him a 9 not a 9.5 or a 10 a 9 he has made more mistakes this year than usual he went off at Imola on his own the lockup on the restart in Baku was hilarious but very uncharacteristic. You know, he he, he claims he, he hit a button on the wheel that, that caused the car to go into a different setting, which made him go off. No one else was doing that. <laughs> he did. Uncharacteristic. That's all I'll say. And the whole wrong tyre start line debacle in, in Hungary it was hilarious. And he ended up doing an amazing recovery, something that he's famous for. Hence why I mentioned that before. But these are noteworthy mistakes because of how consistently brilliant he's been for so long that these pretty costly moments stand out so much more. I mean, Baku may end up being the, a moment that truly defines the championship. It could be the Vettel in, Hung, um, in Germany 2018. Took the lead, goes off all on his own. But it wasn't his fault, according to Toto Wolf. Get in the bin, mate. Right. That's a lot of numbers. And I'm going to go through them real quickly again just to remind you all uh, what scores I've given the drivers. So we'll go from worst to best. So Mazepin, 3 out of 10. Giovinazzi, Raikkonen and Ricardo, 5 out of 10. Mick Schumacher, Sonoda and Valtteri Bottas, 5.5s. Nicholas Latifi, a 6. Stroll and Perez, 7s. Vettel, Alonso and Ocon, 7.5. Russell and Sainz, 8.5s. Gasly, Leclerc, and Hamilton 9s and then Norris and Verstappen rounding it out with 10s with Norris being my driver of the season so far. So that's it. Those are my driver ratings for the 2021 season so far. Obviously going into the second half of the year now. 
Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Racing Ramblings here on Everything Racing Podcast. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, in fact, wherever you get your podcasts, and leave a rating and a review. You can also contact me via email, everythingracingpodcast at gmail.com if you want to. Also, be sure to follow the podcast on social media. Just search for Everything Racing Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Thanks again for listening, guys. I'm Rob Manifield, and I'll see you around the next corner.